are now listening to the Unshakable Health Podcast with Dr. Thomas Hemingway. All right. <laughs> Welcome back. Another week. Oh, my goodness. It is August. Holy moly. Where did that summertime go? Well, it sure does feel like summer still. It is blazing hot in Hawaii. Nay. And it's crazy. School is starting relatively soon. The kids are getting geared up. We're getting their supplies. We're... <laughs> Oh my goodness, it was a fast one, but it it's amazing. Anytime I get to spend with my kids is amazing. I got a hectic, hectic, wild and crazy work week this week, a bunch of shifts in the hospital and flying across the country and all kinds of craziness. So I'm just so grateful. This is an hour that I really, really look forward to being with you, each and every one of you. So thank you for being part of this Unshakable Health podcast and this movement to empower each and every one of us to take charge, take control, to grab our life by the horns and to crush it, literally crush it. <laughs> I'm all about thriving in life, not just simply surviving. And for many years, I was on survival mode. And I'm so grateful that I am beyond that, that I am living each day to the fullest, not only carpe diem, but the full on really just gratitude for each and every day and just being able to be my best, to do my best, to feel my best, even in my 50th year and beyond. I'm so pumped. I'm so grateful for you that you're here with me. I wanted to just shout out to, uh, uh, somebody who just dropped me last week, a five-star review over there on Amazon with my book, Preventable. If you haven't grabbed the book yet, you got to grab a copy because who knows, it may not be available tomorrow. It was literally down and out and sequestered and shunned and deleted for a couple of weeks with that uh, craziness. I don't know if they weren't ready for this power that comes with living your best life and doing so naturally without necessarily any help from big pharma, big food, all the powers that be, how you can actually grab your life by the horns naturally and do so and thrive. Maybe that message they just weren't ready for, but we were banned for a couple of weeks. We're back online. You can grab your book over there on the big A, please. Please grab one today if you haven't already and drop a review. It's so easy to do. Scroll down to the bottom and drop me a review, five stars with a little bit of text on what you're loving. And it says, Preventable by Dr. Thomas Hemingway is an amazing read. It is a captivating. It has insightful exploration of preventative measures. Dr. Hemingway's expertise shines through as he combines personal anecdotes, scientific evidence, and thought-provoking discussions to present a comprehensive view of the prevention in various domains. This book not only empowers individuals to take charge of their well-being, but also inspires a broader societal shift towards proactive measures. Who would have thought, right? Proactive. That's what we talk about with this engaging writing style and valuable insights. Preventable is a must read for anyone seeking to make positive changes and contribute to a healthier future. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Verified Amazon customer purchased my book and dropped that amazing review. Thank you. Appreciate it so much. I read each and every review. You guys know that. I just, uh, I'm tickled. That's why I keep doing this even in a crazy chaotic week with literally thousands of miles traveled, multiple hospitals worked in, just craziness. But you guys keep me going, keep me fired up. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Please, please, please drop a review on the book or on my podcast over there on Apple. It's so easy. You just scroll down to the bottom where you see those five stars. Click on the one farthest to the right, drop a review, just like 
this awesome gal Mary did for me. Five stars. She says, fun, but seriously the best. I love the variety of topics discussed on the podcast, balancing facts from multifaceted sources. Dr. Hemingway has a really fun approach and vibe as he discusses crucial topics to our overall mind, body, health. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. Appreciate you so much. Appreciate all of you that are listening to the show, that are sharing it out. Tag me on social, please. I just love to see that and drop a review. So without further ado, we're going to get into this show today. It is actually part two, part two, part numero dos, la final, la part that is just going to knock your socks off and in how you can just empower yourself up Optimize your gut and your life. Last week, we talked about a couple of things to avoid with respect to a few things that really damage your gut microbiota, right? It's not good to punch holes in your gut with things that shouldn't be like unnecessary prescriptions for antibiotics and other things. And so ask your doctor next time you have a prescription or a given one for an antibiotic, especially during cough, cold, and flu season that's coming right up. Is it absolutely necessary? Is it absolutely necessary? Or is there something like it described in the pediatric literature, a snap, <laughs> a snap, a safety net antibiotic prescription that you may not need because you may just feel better in a couple of days. And most of these things can be viral in that time of year with the right symptomatology. So talk to your doctor. Only take antibiotics if it's absolutely necessary. Make sure you are optimizing your sleep. We talked about that. We talked about one of my favorite things, which is to get up and move your body movement because sitting can be the new smoking. If you're sitting too much, is directly correlated with all sorts of health problems, including premature death. So make sure you're getting up and moving your body, whether it be 10 minutes after every meal, like I try to do, which is 30 minutes already during the day because I eat three square meals and just whatever chance you get to get up and move, get yourself a standing desk, whatever that is. So right now we're going to get into the back half, my favorite part of the things that can damage your gut, how to avoid them. Yes, we're going to talk about things to avoid, right? And we're going to talk about how to optimize that gut health because happy gut, happy life. And Hippocrates said it himself over 2000 years ago, all disease begins in the gut. But I say, Dr. Thomas Hemingway says, all health, all health begins in the gut. So you work together with all those little ones down there in your gut because they outnumber you. They have more DNA than you do. And if you work together synergistically on a team, you can just crush your health, crush life and just thrive and not simply survive. So let's start it out with a bang. One of the things that can really damage the gut, believe it or not, not just poor sleep, not just poor diet, but Stress, stress can actually damage the gut. Yes, you heard it here. Stress is one of those things. Stress can actually damage the gut. It can damage the microbiota. It can cause what's called decrease in diversity. And that is not good. You want diversity in the gut. Not only in your life, you want diversity in your food, but you want diversity in your gut. So stress is not good for your gut. <laughs> it's not good for really any much of anything unless you optimize it, unless you make it a challenge or a growth response, right? We talked about that in a previous podcast on stress, which is kind of a cool, cool topic because in recent years, I feel like we've been flooded with stress from all different angles. Heck, I've had a bunch of stress lately. I mean, with the with the banishing of my book for a few weeks, I was really under a lot of stress trying to figure out how to get that thing back out there to you and millions of others because this is life-changing stuff. And there was a study 
in 2021, September, which looks specifically on the effects of stress and the microbiome and also cortisol, that famous stress hormone. And what they found is that when you alter your perception of stress, because remember, the most powerful thing that we have control of each and every day is what lies between our ears. We can change a stressful situation to a powerful growth or challenge response. And when we do that, we get this amazing antithesis hormone. It's sort of the anti-stress hormone called oxytocin, which gets released. And this specific study in September of 2021 looked at oxytocin and its effects on the microbiome subjected to uh, the stressful hormone of cortisol. And what they found was that oxytocin, it was increased with this challenge response, the adaptive challenge response, and it positively shifted the microbiota to one of having more healthy bacterial species, which was seen with a lower anxiety, lower stress, and improved behavior. And this was, once again, a recent study, September of 2021, reported um, in the journal Microorganisms <laughs> by Itzhak Danger et al. Specific changes in the mammalian gut microbiome as a biomarker for oxytocin induced behavioral changes. So oxytocin is what we want. That's that sort of befriend and cuddle and befriend hormone that gets released when we snuggle, when we hang out with our friends, family, when we, we are in a group, like whether it be doing group exercise, like my wife loves to do group courses, um, just hanging out with friends, hanging out with family, hanging out with your loved one, even your pets, those feline and canine friends, they can help increase the release of oxytocin, which is literally the anti-stress hormone. And so this is groundbreaking stuff. And we get to decide each and every day, our response to stress because guaranteed stress is coming at us. It's coming from every angle, especially the last few years, pandemic and otherwise, we are being bombarded with super stressful stuff, but we get to pick, we get to pick the meaning that we will attach. And there's so many cool approaches, whether it be a challenge, a game, like I discussed in previous podcasts, I was a uh, under a lot of stress in medical school, for example, we had Monday morning tests each and every Monday. What a way, perfect way to ruin our weekend, right, as students. And what I did, which was so helpful, is that I used this as sort of a game. You know, some people are gamers. I'm a gamer of of improvements. I'm not like a gamer on, on, on a, on a device or on, on video games or whatever, but I love to gamify things and see how I can sort of outsmart the game, the system, do something better, improve my technique, how I can crush, you know, different aspects of my life. One of them was tests during medical school. And so I kind of made it a game. I made it fun. I wanted to see how I could crush each and every test and use that challenge uh, or growth response format rather than the, you know, classic sympathetic fight or flight um, scenario, which aggravates all of these stress hormones, including cortisol, epinephrine, norepinephrine, et cetera, but to uh, increase through the challenge, this amazing anti-stress hormone, oxytocin, which is the best, most powerful anti-stress hormone, which does all the opposite of stress. It lowers the blood pressure. It increases our happiness. It increases our ability to connect with other humans. It's so amazing. 
oxytocin. You can have it today through all of these amazing things I talk about in the book, through cuddling, through spending time with your pets, your family, your loved ones, and doing cool things that allow you to grow and develop that growth mindset because stress is potentially something that can powerfully harm the gut if we have that negative classic feedback loop called the fight or flight para excuse me fight or flight sympathetic nervous system response which is that classic stress where we are just taxed where our bodies are running 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 ragged many times where we at night are trying to go to sleep and we are tired but we are wired because the stress is ongoing our adrenals are crapping out we're just dumping cortisol all day long and we just ah we're suffering and so to bounce back, so many techniques from breath work to my favorite, which is just simple exercise or getting out in nature and forest bathing, if you will, so helpful. Uh, also sauna and cold therapy and all of these amazing things, even just grabbing a journal, a piece of paper, a notebook, and writing a few things you're grateful for. This simple approach of gratitude is one of the best anti-stress activities I know of, and so many things are able to help you with this through the possibility of activating that anti-stress hormone called oxytocin, which will help you to not only feel good and combat all those negative impacts of the classical sympathetic stress, but will increase your happiness, your enjoyment of the day-to-day life. And so whether it be through meditation, through the breath work that is available. So many types, you don't have to pick any specific one. Just choose something that works for you that you can do that's doable um, or just go for a walk. Go for a simple walk outside, get some vitamin D, get some fresh air or hang out with your pet. Take your pet for a walk. Like all these things are so amazing. Hanging out with friends, doing a group exercise class, just hitting it on the trail, doing some exercise or just standing up at your desk and grabbing some free weights and doing a couple minutes of that. These will all increase your ability to not only crush stress, but also make you more resilient so the next time stress comes your way, you can about face and just turn and crush it. So stress, 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 we all have it, but we get to choose how we respond. We get to choose the meaning and I would encourage you to grab my book, read the copy, uh, chapter on stress, or listen to many of the previous podcasts on stress on how you can learn to optimize it in your life because that is something you have control over. It's coming. It's coming at every which way, all different directions. We don't get to decide if it's coming because it will, but we get to decide how we will respond. The ball is in our court. Love it. So let me know the techniques that work for you. Uh, reach out to me on social, tag me, drop me an email, send me a message. I'd love to hear what are your favorite techniques for combating stress, for optimizing stress, because I'm always open to learning more. I am committed to a lifelong process of learning and growing, and this is one of the areas that I have had significant improvements in recent years because I've been under a lot of stress, but I'm learning. I'm getting better. I'm definitely far, 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 far from perfect at this, but I am adopting a lot of these different uh, techniques of breath work, of meditation, of gratitude, and just simply going for a walk, giving daddy a little bit of free time, alone time, and, you know, a timeout. Parents need timeouts too, right? <laughs> if we're under a lot of stress, take a 10-minute walk. Or if you got to lock yourself in the bathroom for 10 minutes, do some gratitude, do some breathing, meditation, whatever that looks like. 
a couple of minutes can literally change your physiology in the moment and change your life. So enough said, we can crush and optimize stress. It can work for us because if we don't, it's going to work against us. It's going to wreak havoc on not only our cortisol levels, but also on the gut. It decreases diversity and we can change this, plain and simple. Next thing I want to talk about is how present day our <laughs> culture, especially in the recent years, has led to an over-sanitization of everything. And we are killing the microbiota, the flora, that's good for us. The, the, the helpful bacteria that lives on our skin, that lives in our bowels, in our intestinal tract, we're killing it with way too much over sanitization. And, and, and let's just get, hear me out here. I'm not talking about we should go back to the days when we didn't have potable water. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that at all, but we kind of overdo it. We overdo it present day, whether it be with antiseptic wipes that we're using all day long on our countertops, on our hands all day, or, or these, uh, these foamy things that we're dipping into all day long. Like we've, we've overdone it and we are actually killing the good guys as well as the bad guys. And we are damaging our gut through over sanitization. And one of the things I hadn't really thought of is that even with, uh, what, what we do often, we have a dishwasher in our home. It's not always operational, but when it is, we're, we're often using it because it kind of makes sense. I got a son who, who washes the dishes and makes things a little bit easier for him, you know, and that, um, depending on what you're using for soap and things like that, it can over sanitize your dishes and you don't need to have everything completely devoid of bacteria. There are some helpful things out there. I mean, if you're going for a surgery, 100%, you want everything sterilized, sanitized. But if you're just eating dinner at home, like it's okay to hand wash those dishes. Like it's okay. We, we do that oftentimes as well. Sometimes we overdo it. Even our water supply, right? We overdo it with chlorine and fluorine and all kinds of crap that gets into the water. Initially, you know, done to prevent things like cholera and other dysenteries, which was a great idea. Absolutely. But we've overdone it. So one of the simple things I've done is I've put in each of my places where I spend time some sort of filtration technique. Usually it's a technique, very simple, very inexpensive, using charcoal like with a Berkey filter or just with the one on my refrigerator that I replace very often, usually about once a month because I get my water there. So it passes through the filtration, takes out the chlorine, the fluoride, all the other crap that gets into the municipal water supply. Even other people's prescription meds get in there. So you got to have some sort of water filter. Reverse osmosis is great. Uh, adding a carbon uh, filtration system is great as well. These charcoal, I should say, um, these are inexpensive and these can be very, very helpful because over sanitization is not awesome. In fact, uh, I'm going to read you something that came up from Dr. Singh. And this was pretty recent, just uh, after the you know, real chaos got going pretty hardcore with the pandemic. This was just, uh, let's see here, um, 2020, and it was entitled COVID-19 Disinfectants and Sanitizers Are Changing Microbiomes. This was in the British Medical Journal, very well-respected journal. And he says, quote, immeasurable effects of the large-scale use of disinfectants and sanitizers in the COVID-19 pandemic on the microbiomes 
on various ecological niches in humans, animals, and environments. Dysbiosis, that's what we don't want. That's lack of diversity. That's more the bad guys than good guys. It's tipping the scale the wrong direction. In host commensal interactions is a likely outcome of such practices, thereby affecting the host's immune functioning, metabolism, physiological parameters, and susceptibility to infectious and non-infectious diseases. So this is something that we got to navigate because it is all over the place. I really feel like we've overdone it. Sanitization is crucial so that we have potable water and things like that and sterile operating rooms, but to be wiping our hands with these wipes or creams or gels or foamy applications all throughout the day is probably a little bit overkill. Simple water, rubbing your hands in water prior to eat or a safe uh, soap that's approved on the EWG website, Environmental Working Group. That's one that looks at a lot of these additives, all these chemical additives to not only food, but cosmetics, uh, things like that as well. So make sure you don't overdo it because literally you can kill the good guys as well. You want them to be alive, to be helping you with a helpful, synergistic, symbiotic microbiota, and they can easily be perturbed and damaged, as Dr. Singh says in the British Medical Journal, through the overuse of these products. So there is um, a great book, I don't know if you've heard of it, called The Microbiome Solution. And this was, yeah, it's been a couple of years now, almost 10 years, 2015, by Dr. Robin Chukkan, who's a uh, uh, board-certified gastroenterologist, amazing lady, super smart, super bright. She was ahead of her time when she wrote this book, The Microbiome Solution. If you haven't read it, grab a copy. It's amazing. She talks all about the over-sanitization that has occurred in the last century and how it hasn't made us better. In fact, it's made us more prone to not only infections, but also a lot of autoimmune diseases, things like Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, rheumatologic conditions, lupus, Sjogren's, all the rheumatic arthritis, um, potentially, and a lot of the allergies that we have and are more prone to nowadays are because we have over-sanitized ourselves and we need to get dirty, right? We need to eat, eat uh, foods that are raised in a organic fashion. Hopefully, uh, if you have the opportunity to raise your own, you know exactly how they've been raised. They haven't been sprayed with plant or other antibiotics, right? The so-called pesticides, they haven't been sprayed with those. Uh, certainly, hopefully not glyphosate and the others that uh, can wreck not only the, the food that you eat, but they can also damage your gut and your microbiota. So we talked about last week the antibiotics that we have overdone in recent years. And, and these plant antibiotics or the pesticides, if you will, I think we've overdone it there as well. And so be cautious. Try to get organic whenever possible. If it has a thick uh, peel or rind that you're getting rid of, you can save some money and not necessarily have to buy organic. But if you're eating the whole thing, like the berries, etc., please, please, please try to get organic and you will be so much better off because despite what they tell you, despite the grass, G-R-A-S, generally regarded as safe status of most of the pesticides out there, they are not good for us. They are not good for the environment. I mean, it's... It's anyway, it's a whole, a whole another discussion. We can talk about how they facilitate damage to your DNA and all this kind of chaos and they mess with the nucleotides and things, but, but that's for another discussion. So just be aware, uh, don't over sanitize things and make sure you try to get the best quality uh, produce. If, 
If you can raise your own, fantastic. Otherwise, try to get organic whenever possible, especially with things you eat the whole skin and peel and rind, you know, like berries, for example. You're not peeling anything off those, so try to get organic for sure. But if it's a thick orange or avocado or things that you're not eating the peel, you can save a little money and not necessarily have to buy organic. But another thing I wanted to talk about today, which I just barely scratched the surface of last week, something that a lot of us don't think about. It's things that we often reach for because maybe we have an ache and pain. Maybe we have a little bit of GERD or, or reflux or acid in the stomach or what have you. We reach for something readily available. Many of the over-the-counter medications, if you will, don't require a prescription, but they do have a lot of potential negative side effects. So we're going to talk about the ones right now briefly that can damage your gut. So be ready, maybe get your pen in hand or take a little notes because these are things that we often would be partaking of because we just wouldn't have even had a second thought. And most doctors out there have no idea that these can be so damaging to your gut, to your microbiota. So right at the top of the list are the so-called um, antacids. And there's a class of them that used to be prescription only because they were designed to only be used for a short period, two weeks or so. And that's the proton pump inhibitors, very potent antacids, all the ones that end in azole, right? Pantoprazole, omeprazole. These are the things that are now available over the counter like Prilosec or Pepsid, uh, excuse me, Prilosec OTC. Um, these are the ones that are available now over the counter, whereas they were only with prescription for many, many years. And now you can get them without a prescription. So you got to be careful because these can damage the gut. These are basically things like Prevacid, Prilosec, Nexium, Protonics. Um, many of these are now available over the counter, like the Prilosec and Prevacid OTCs, for example. And just because they're over the counter does not mean that they're quote unquote safe or that they don't have negative side effects. They're to be used only under the right circumstances for a brief, brief period of time, usually about two weeks or so. And this will even say it in the package insert. Yet many people have no idea. Most doctors don't know. And people take these for months and even years at a time. In fact, they're always one of the top 10 selling medications in the world. Billions and billions of dollars are spent on these antacid medications and they wreak havoc on the gut by a couple of different mechanisms. One is sort of obvious, right? Because they disturb the pH, right? That's the acidity of the stomach. You're supposed to have acid in the stomach because it helps kill invaders, the pathogenic bacteria that you may accidentally be eating or that may be on your hands or whatever that you may eat unknowingly, it has in your stomach acid. You actually have a pump in there that makes hydrogen, which is what causes it to be acidic. And it drops the pH, lowers the pH in your stomach and makes it more acidic to help fight off invaders and pathogens. And when you take these medications, well, big surprise, it blocks that pump and makes your stomach less acidic. And so you start to have varieties of bacteria that can survive the stomach that never used to be able to survive the stomach, that you don't want to be able to survive the stomach, and they can overpopulate the gut and lead to cases of SIBO or small intestinal 
bacterial overgrowth, SIBO, S-I-B-O, or dysbiosis, where you have a propensity towards increase of the unhealthy or less healthy bacteria and less of the healthy ones. This is a type of dysbiosis that's very common. And they also mess with your ability to absorb a very important vitamin called vitamin B12. This is one that essentially in this process of making the stomach less acidic, you can't really absorb it. There's this other factor there called the intrinsic factor, and it doesn't really work in a non-acidic stomach. So you have great difficulties absorbing vitamin B12 if you don't have an acidic stomach. So this is something that went um, unnoticed, unrecognized for quite a long time until a recent study was published in the scientific journal Gut where they looked at this and they found that actually that class of medications that I just described to you, the so-called PPI or proton pump inhibitors, caused a very, very high propensity towards vitamin B12 deficiency as well as bacterial overgrowth, dysbiosis, and a more a facile or an easy time getting super infections with bugs that you just don't want. So you may have heard of some of these super infections like C. diff, colitis, Clostridium difficile, for example, and chronic um, antacid use like the PPIs can predispose you to that. And trust me, you do not want that. That is a crazy, crazy bad disease. People even des can die of this. It's a hemorrhagic colitis, bloody stool, lots of pain, fevers, can easily turn into sepsis and overwhelming body infection from something that doesn't have to be. And being on these medications for long, long, long periods of time can increase your chances of getting this life-threatening disease called Clostridium difficile colitis, as well as any course of antibiotics can put you at risk for this. So be careful for that. Make sure that you're not on these medications long-term that you talk with your doctor about potentially lowering the dose or discontinuing some of these medicines if you've been on them a long time because they're actually not recommended typically for people for more than a couple of weeks at a time. So whether you get them by prescription or over the counter, make sure you understand there's significant risk to your gut microbiota, all right? And so make sure you don't take these long-term unless there's a very darn good reason for it. So Another thing I wanted to look at, which was very interesting, it was a study that just came out um, that looked at not just these types of medications, the antacid medicines, but looked at a lot of different medications and their potential to harm the gut. And this was by Matthew Jackson et al. entitled Gut Microbiota and Associations with Common Diseases and Prescription Medications. This was from the Nature Communications Journal in 2018. And what was surprising here was that nearly half of all the medications they looked at caused havoc on the gut microbiota. Nearly half. They looked at um, over 52 common prescription medications and 19 of them had a significant correlation with negative effects on the gut microbiota. So almost half of them had significant negative. And these were common uh, prescription medications. We've only talked about a couple of classes uh, recently. Antibiotics, of course, that's a no-brainer. Antacids, most people don't think about. Another common one that can wreak havoc on the gut is the NSAIDs, the so-called non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. These are things like ibuprofen, Motrin, Aleve, Advil, Napris, Naproxen, Naproxen. These are some of the things that also have significant potential damage to the gut. And and your doctor won't tell you this, most likely. They maybe don't know. 
And I don't blame them. This is not something I learned in medical school either, but it's something that we need to understand, that we need to know about because so many of these things, which are available over the counter, right? We just mentioned a couple of the antacids, obviously, these sort of pain relievers, the Aleves, the Advils, the Motrins, all of these anti-inflammatories, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories available over the counter can wreak significant havoc on the gut. And worse than that is they don't get to the root of the problem, right? It's kind of like that analogy. Uh, if you uh, are stepping on a nail or sitting on a tack, you know, choose your poison here. Taking a bunch of Advil is not going to make that go away. You got to get off the tack or stop stepping on the nail. Like you got to get rid of the source. What's actually the root of the, of the cause here? It's the best way to get to the root of things. Get rid of that aches and pains is not to just hit it with a superficial Band-Aid approach like what's available over the counter. And I used to eat this stuff like candy. Like I'll, I'll be honest. I am guilty as charged. I literally had Costco bottle sizes of ibuprofen and I would have it every single day. It's amazing I didn't end up with a stomach ulcer and bleed to death because I literally was eating these things up every single day like candy practically, like M&Ms. I was literally having Motrin or some version of an NSAID almost every single day because I was achy. But the reason I was achy was because I wasn't optimizing the anti-inflammatory diet that I should have been using. I didn't know. I was eating the standard American diet like most of us have at some point in our lives and hopefully are no longer because that inflammation can be treated, targeted at the root. You get rid of the things that are triggering the inflammation. Then you don't need any of these anti-inflammatories anyway. So I'm definitely more for this prevention over prescription approach because that way you get down to the roots and you don't put these superficial sort of Band-Aid or bandage approaches on top that in the end, they don't make anything better. In fact, they can cause more problems in the end, like leaky gut, increased intestinal permeability, or predisposition to having deficiencies in vitamin B12, for example, also making you more prone to having significant uh, bacterial diseases, whether it be an overgrowth situation like candida, or even clostridium difficile colitis, none of the which you want. And so get healthy, get your gut healthy, try to avoid unnecessary over-the-counter medications, even potentially unnecessary prescriptions. Talk to your doctor. Obviously, I'm not telling you don't stop anything based upon hearing this. This is just food for thought. This is something to think about, something to talk to your provider about. This is not medical advice. I'm not your doctor. I'm just asking you to ask the question, could these things that you're taking either over-the-counter or possibly uh, for prescription, like long-term use of the antacids that we were talking about, the PPIs, for example, could they be contributing to a gut problem, like gut dysbiosis, for example? Could they be contributing? And you need to have that discussion with your provider. If they're not willing to, or they're not willing to read the data, and they're not willing to consider this as a possibility, you might have to consider looking for a new doctor <laughs> because you need to have somebody who's in line with your um desire to live healthy and as natural as possible. And there's a lot of great physicians. You can hop on over to that website, ifm.org. That's the Institute for Functional Medicine. They have amazing docs over there trained in this type of integrative approach, which is what I like to share with you. I've done training with them as well. And it's a great website. If you can find a provider near you, they got a great database search there, ifm.org. And moving right along, we're going to talk about a couple other things. These are pretty obvious that can damage your gut. No big surprise here. These are both poisons, right? Alcohol is a poison. We don't like to regard it as such because, 
you know, it's kind of fun to have a little glass of wine in the evenings. Or David Sinclair says that, you know, you can have a glass of wine because it's going to have stuff that may help you, like resveratrol. Well, spoiler alert, <laughs> you can get resveratrol from so many other things, just eating berries, for example, grapes and, and blueberries and pomegranates and cranberries. And you don't need to to buy a supplement or you don't need to drink a wine every single night. I know it's kind of a nice excuse, but in the words of another colleague who I really respect a lot, he's a brain specialist. It is literally his thing. He is a brain doctor. He loves to share that no amount of alcohol is good for you. It's not safe. It is actually a poison. When we study toxicology in medical school, like literally one of the poisonings we talk about and quite readily is alcohol, ETOH or ethanol. It is a toxin. It is a poison. And no matter what you hear about having quantities of, of uh, your favorite beverage that are good for you, it's always a poison to some degree. And so I'm not saying that you can never have a drink if you like to have a glass of wine on occasion. You know, that's, that's you know, totally cool up to you, but I would not overdo it because at the end of the day, it is a poison and it will wreak havoc on your gut. And I'm going to share with you a study. This was, uh, this was done. Let me just pull it up real quick uh, for you. This was... Uh, 2017 in the best practice and research of clinical, um, in the clinical gastroenterology journal, it says, and this was by Gabrielle Capurso, Edith Leidner, the interaction between smoking, alcohol, and the gut microbiome. So it talked about both the harms of alcohol and smoking and how they can wreak havoc on the gut, not just Later on in life with things like gastric cancer, which alcohol can certainly contribute to, but also it can mess with your microbiota. And this is, should not be a surprise, right? They're both toxins. They can wreak havoc on the gut. Smoking, of course, has significant amounts of oxidative stress, uh, which cause leakiness of those tight junctions, of course, predisposing us to leaky gut or increased intestinal permeability. There was a great study actually looking at this, which I thought was really cool, because it showed how quickly you could improve after cessation. Many people tell me, oh, I've been smoking for so many years, like I just can't quit. I know, I've worked with lots of people. It's really challenging, it's tough. But go ahead and call the 1-800-QUIT-NOW, that tobacco quit line, it's available, it's free. There's great resources out there. And at any point when you desire to quit, you will notice tremendous benefits. This, this was a cool study in as little as 12 weeks I'm going to just flip to this study because I was astounded at how quickly they saw significant improvements in gut health after cessation of smoking. And this is by Marcus Sublet. This is 2020, the Journal of Clinical Medicine, uh, quote, effects of smoking and smoking cessation on the intestinal microbiota. And what they found is that in a 12-week trial, the bacterial alpha diversity which is what we want. We want the diversity significantly increased as well as the bacterioidetes to firmicutes ratio improved, as also did heart rate, blood pressure, the inflammatory markers such as CRP. And despite the long-term negative effects of smoking, these can be modified and improved with smoking cessation in a very short to moderate amount of time. This was just a 12-week study, and they saw significant improvements, decrease in inflammation, improvements in bacterial diversity, improvements in that bacterioidetes to firmicutes ratio in simply 12 weeks. This is only three months. 
crazy how quickly this can actually improve. And so do not delay. If these are things that you struggle with, get somebody to help you. Call the 1-800-QUIT-NOW. AA, uh, if it's alcohol or other substances similar and you want to just quit and be off of it completely, there's a lot of help out there. Most of it is free and it can significantly help you and your gut because you want your gut to be in your favor. And I have seen this uh, many, many times over the years and it uh, never ceases to amaze me how quickly people see some significant benefits. So I would encourage anybody to reach out uh, if you need help and especially consider those programs I've talked about, whether it be the uh, AA or whether it be um, the, the smoking cessation, quit now, 1-800-QUIT-NOW. There's a lot of great resources out there. Uh, for you. You can do this and you will start to experience benefits pretty readily like this 12-week smoking cessation trial that I just quoted for you. All right, rounding it out, I want to just share with you a couple quick, quick things that will help and provide significant impetus to improved bacterial diversity, improved alpha diversity like we talked about, and just overall improved gut health, which is basically talking about the things to eat and not eat because they round out the 10 things that we wanted to talk about. I'm just going to go to my list really quick, make sure I didn't skip anything (laughs) because I love my top 10 list. We talked about antibiotics already. We talked about antacids. We talked about the NSAIDs, the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. We talked about alcohol. We talked about a sedentary lifestyle. We just talked about smoking. We just talked about too little sleep on the previous podcast. We talked about stress. We talked about the overuse of hygiene products. And the final thing, which is the simplest, and (laughs) at the same time, almost the most difficult because this is everything else that we put in our mouths, what we eat or what we don't eat. And I'm just going to tell you, it is actually really really simple, right? I always preach this. There's really only three things that we need to hyper-focus on avoiding. And those are the highly processed grains and flours, like pretty much no wheat, no gluten. I mean, you just got to get rid of that stuff. Even corn, not a big fan for the most part um, because it's GMO, it's hybridized. It's not awesome. It's not like what we used to eat back in the day. So highly processed grains and flours, take that off the list, right? And then, of course, the highly processed sugars, anything with corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup, any of these sugars, whether it be agave nectar, like doesn't matter, brown rice sugar, it's just sugar. You got to limit sugar. It's really a non-essential for the most part. Having some sugar in the form of fructose and fruit, totally fine, totally fine. I eat fruit every single day. I love fruit. Even most of those hardcore, like ultra hardcore carnivores out there have now added fruit and honey to their diet because they realize too that having some carbohydrate doesn't have to be big quantities. In fact, I, I agree that it should be a smaller quantity. <clears throat> some carbs is essential and I love to get mine from fruit. So real foods, number one, is the biggest help and utility for your gut as well. So just avoid the highly processed flours and grains, avoid the sugars. And the third thing to avoid is the seed oils. And they come in so many names, so many flavors, if you will. They are basically anything industrialized and processed that is not a fruit oil, right? The fruits are olive oil, comes from a fruit, avocado oil from a fruit, And, of course, my favorite, coconut oil from Hawaii, that's from a fruit. These are processed simply by squeezing direct pressure. 
and those are okay. They're safe. We've been using them for millennia, but anything else doesn't matter if it comes from an organic grapeseed, rapeseed, you know, that's canola oil, grapeseed oil, rapeseed oil, soybean oil. I don't care if it comes from organic soybeans, like any of these things were not meant to be cooking oils. They were not meant to be in our food. These are the adulterated hybridized really ultra processed of all the ultra processed things is making any of these so-called vegetable oils. If it says vegetable oil, throw it out of the pantry right now. Immediately vegetable oil is not amazing of any way. Not even if it says it's organic, just dump it super inflammatory. And there you go. Only three things to avoid the oils, the vegetable oils, which are the highly processed industrialized seed oils, the highly processed flours and grains, and of course the sugars, boom, you've got it. And then just add, 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 add way more than subtract, add all kinds of healthy vegetables, fruits, proteins, all the things, all those single ingredient fruits, vegetables, proteins that you love that don't need an ingredients list. Those are the things to add. And of course, try to avoid all those artificial sweeteners, colors, flavors, because they wreak havoc on the gut. And it, whether it be an emulsifier, a sweetener, there's a lot of data coming up with the aspartame, which is NutraSweet. It's going to be super interesting because I feel like it's going to push people to use sucralose, which is another fake sweetener, artificial sweetener that is not awesome. If you do use sweeteners, I mean, try to stick to the natural things like a stevia, stevia leaf, a monk fruit. Those are the ones that I would recommend uh, over others, or just a little touch of honey, for example. Yeah, it's more calories, but it's natural. There's actually some immune modulating effects of honey that are pretty cool. Don't overdo it, but, but a little bit if you need a little tiny bit of sweetness. Um, totally cool, but definitely avoid these artificial things, whether it be sweeteners, whether it be emulsifiers, whether it be flavors, colors. Yeah, they wreak havoc on the gut. We can do better. We must do better. And so I'm going to actually share with you in closing a landmark paper from the British Medical Journal, the BMJ. You may have heard about it. This was pretty recently. Let me just flip to it real quick because I feel like it's super important to just recognize the huge issue that this is. And I no pun intended, but just the, the size, breadth, width. I mean, this is a crazy, crazy big, huge issue. And this was from uh, uh, Martinez uh, et al. Ultra processed foods and added sugars in the U.S. diet. Evidence from a nationally representative cross-sectional study, British Medical Journal, um, volume six, number three, 2016. And this actually, this has gotten even worse. This is a little bit old, but it basically shared that more than 60, well, 59% of our diet is from not just processed food, but ultra processed foods. Excuse me, I misread that 57.9. And in children, more than 67% comes from ultra processed foods. These are the things with those highly processed grains and flours with the highly processed sugars and with the seed oils. Those three things, the only big three, the big three I'm saying to avoid, this is making up the predominance of these kinds of ultra processed foods, which are nutrient deplete, right? But they are calorie dense, lots of calories, devoid of nutrients, and they leave you hungry. They leave you craving for many, many reasons. They actually, in, in the uh, grains, there's this morphine-like substance uh, with respect to gliadin, which is from the wheat, that literally makes you hungry, makes you crave, wants, it makes you want to eat more and just be insatiable. Plus, they have no nutritive value, right? 
So the lack of nutrients makes you crave wants to eat more. It's just, I mean, it's genius if you're in the business of selling these things and you're in the food science, you want people to buy more and crave more. You know, you can't have just one, whether it be a Cheeto or these Takis or, or Doritos or cookies, crackers, well, you name it. Like these things are addictive and for a reason because they're trying to make money. But you can simply avoid them like I talked about just the other week with the cravings. You get your gut healthy by eating real foods. Uh, if you struggle with how to do this, reach out to me. If you want to figure out what my protocol is, what probiotics and vitamins and minerals supplements that I add to make it easy, I've got it dialed into a super simple technique that I love to share with people because it's not difficult. It doesn't have to be. Simplicity is where it's at because that makes it reproducible. That makes it doable. So stick to real food, single ingredient foods. Avoid all of these artificial ingredients, whether it be sweetener, emulsifier, you name it, artificial things, the seed oils as well, the sugars, the flours, and just eat real food and you will be on your path to remarkable health and just a better life. Your gut's gonna thank you. Your body will thank you. You will appreciate the lack of cravings. You won't be literally held hostage to having cravings all the time. I used to be, you guys know this. Every single night, I would have a bowl of ice cream, half, like half of a half a gallon, like basically a quart of ice cream I would eat every night for years because I felt like I couldn't resist. I just felt, ah, this was that one thing that, you know, I'd just exercise more and uh, it's okay, it's, I love it, it's good, it makes me feel good, and maybe in the moment, but I felt like crap, I was achy. I didn't have much energy, I wasn't sleeping well, I had brain fog. All of this was because my gut wasn't healthy because I was not optimizing these 10 things that we got to avoid. We gotta leave out from our diet and our habits and our life and then add all the good stuff. And there is way more, way more good stuff out there that we can add. All the beautiful colors of the rainbow, whether it be those purplish things that increase the acromancia or the bright greens or just great protein. Like nothing like a, a fresh caught ahi here in Hawaii. It's that bright red, fresh. It's amazing. Sushi, pokey, whatever it is. Ah, just throw it on the grill. Just some butter and garlic. Ah, life-changing stuff. Real food is where it's at. There's so much amazingness out there. All kinds of crazy fermented foods that are amazing here. My favorite, of course, you know, is the go-tos that we have, whether it be kimchi, sauerkraut, wherever you're at, go for it. Add more than subtract and just go ahead and crush life. And you have got this. Until next time, a big aloha.